Welcome to the Riverfront Bengals show. This is episode number three. Still getting this thing up and running. I am Nate Dotson. He's Joe Farsing, and we're here to talk some football. Joe, how are you, sir? I am doing great, brother. What about yourself? Man, I can't complain a bit. It's a beautiful day here in the mountains. I'm healthy. What's about me? What are you talking about? You know, listen, you live where you want to live. This is a, this is the Zoom era. We have hills. Um, well, Joe, it has been a few days since the uh, fateful week one that we would love to forget. How are you feeling now compared to when you and Chad recorded that um, post-game recap? I feel a little more um, that's a solid in, in thing that like it, it was a fluke game. Not that you know they're going to win every game, or not that you know they're they're not going to have letdown games. But what happened isn't something that's you know that that, that you, that's going to be a trend. Joe Burrow isn't going to throw mm-hmm. the ball up four different times. He's not going to. TJ Watt isn't going to rip a interception at full speed from two feet away. You know, jump up and grab it. So I'm feeling still feeling pretty yeah. good about the team. The defense is still you know still going to look really good. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there's, you know, we're, we're going to get into a lot of that. I think there are some really, really great things to take away. I think when uh, you break it down, the reasons that the, the major reasons that it looks like the Bengals lost were things that are so easily correctable and things that you wouldn't expect unless the team was just playing together for the first time, really. So let's kind of get into it. But first, let's talk about some injury and news updates for the week. Um, I think the one on everybody's mind is. T. Higgins is in the concussion protocol. One of those glaring things that I mentioned that could have changed the game would have just been the presence of T. Higgins on the field. They really, really missed him being out there. What have you heard? What's his status as it relates to that concussion? Uh, Zach said during his presser that um, he's hitting every check mark that he's supposed to be in and uh, getting through concussion, concussion protocol, but it's a process. You still have to mm-hmm. – you know, day by day. I mean, he was, uh, he did dress and worked out on the side today. So that's good. Um, I would assume that he should be good to go for Sunday, but it's kind of just wait and see. You can't really put any percentage odds on it. So. Yeah, sure. And by Zach, of course, he means uh, Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, not legendary Bayside high school student, Zach Morris. Easy to confuse. I get it. But I mean, I think, I think having T Higgins out there is so important to this team. It was obvious um, the way he can be utilized in the red zone, his ability just to go up and get balls. I think they really, really missed him. So we're hoping for some good news there. Like you said, you know, you're going to take it day by day. He can pass today and fail tomorrow. And all we really care about is that he comes out on the other side healthy and then feeling good with no long-term repercussions. Yeah, yeah, so obviously, we have one other big one. I think that uh, – I mean, I think all Bengals podcast sphere has been talking about this. Clark Harris – Long snapper, out for a while. He has a torn biceps. Um, it could be out all season. Last I saw, they weren't sure. Have you heard anything different? Uh, no, they haven't put him. They put him on IR with the designation possibly to return. Um, they're not saying that he's going to be done for the year, but it's probably a season ender. Um, he seems upbeat that he's not going to you know end his career on IR, so he wants to come back, whether it's the end this season or twenty twenty three. So. Yeah, hoping for the best there. Um, it really just goes to show the average fan has no clue about how important the long snapper is. Um, it's why they don't keep it back, you know, back up on the active roster. They're just not – they're not injured very often. They're not – you rarely need more than the one. But, thankfully, the Bengals do have a pretty decent in-house option. What do you know about this fellow they signed off the practice squad who has one of the coolest names you're going to see? Cal itemitis. It sounds like some sort of stomach illness that you need to take some stomach uh... illness. <laughs> was like no, he was like Roman Gladiator. <laughs> yeah, no, he was. I mean, luckily he's been with the team. Uh, they uh, signed him as an undrafted free agent after the draft. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he was one of the two position battles was long snapper. So mm-hmm. he's worked with uh, with Huber. He's worked with McPherson all summer in the spring. So can't say it's going to be a seamless transition, but at least you know. He's, you know, he, he at least has a working relationship. It's not someone just coming in off the street that's never worked, you know, never worked with these guys before. Um, he was an All-American last year at Pitt. He won the Patrick Manelli Award. I have no idea that there was a Patrick Manelli Award, but it oh, goes to uh, Manelli. Yeah. Neighbor of yours? <laughs> uh, 
bump some sugar off of him just yesterday. <laughs> no, it goes to the uh, uh, NCAA uh, award for the best long snapper in in, uh, in the country. So he was best collegiate long snapper coming up, whatever that's worth. Um, I mean, I think it's worth something. If, if you have the choice of having the best long snapper in the country or not having the best long snapper in the country. Yeah, yeah it's – could be worse. Could be the worst long snapper in the country, and <laughs> then you'd be Mitchell Wilcox. That's not fair. Oh, that That's is not unfair. Fair. He did he not deserve the slander. No. Um, Cal Adamitis. God, I love that name. Um, also, you brought this to my attention. Um, used his NIL uh, NCAA name, image, and likeness money to raise raise money for the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. He can't be forgiven that it was Pittsburgh. It's still such an amazing cause, and you vowed to shave off his long hair if 94K was raised because he was number 94. And what do you say? They got $114,000. So seems like a stand-up guy that uh, has his priorities straight. And, you know, as you said, he got plenty of reps in the uh, training camp and stuff with, you know, the first team. And so I don't know. I don't, I don't expect to see what we saw transpire on Sunday going forward what do you think yeah it's i mean there's a little bit of an unknown just because clark harris was there for what 14 years never had an unplayable snap his entire time there he's in there you know it's going to get back to the punter but for the holder mm-hmm. or the punt whatever that that part of the execution is going to be fine now you're getting someone that has a pedigree but he's never done it in a regular season game so i think people will feel a lot better at the end of this game just you know get the jitters out. You're in Dallas. It's a large stadium. It's a loud stadium because it's indoors. You get through this without any issues. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to, you know, not that you're going to forget about Clark Harris because he has the awesome flow and the Fu Manchu, but you're going to feel a lot better about, you know, your whole kicking operation for the rest of the season, you know, when, once this game gets over with. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of eyes on that first field goal or extra point. And, you know, if that, uh, that goes through cleanly, all sins are forgiven, and with a name like Adamitis, you got a fan in me. Um, any other news for the week? It's hard to talk about news on a, on a weekly episode because football is such a 24-hour cycle, but I think it bears mentioning the uh, the Jamar Chase double bird flip to Mika Fitzpatrick. <laughs> One of my favorite moments of this early season so far. Uh, especially because he backed it up with his performance on the field. I know that there's not a lot of love lost between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So way to further ingratiate yourself to the Cincinnati fan base, Jamar Chase. Yeah, I was, completely, I was completely unaware that it, that it happened until someone put it in the uh, uh, in the Slack channel. Sign up for Patreon there, boys and girls. Um, there's a plug for you. Um, love it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's bold as day. He is giving the one finger salute with both hands to uh, Minka Fitzpatrick who all game long been instigating and trying to mess with the Bengals. He was kind of holding on to tackles a little bit longer or, you know, just getting in everyone's face. My wife was even like, what's going on with number 39? What is his problem? <laughs> He's a stealer. That's what they're born and bred to do. So. Yeah, happy to you can't, uh, I'll say you can't blame him because you know, he's, when you're raised that way, you're raised that way. But, uh, Love to see Jamar get up there and, uh, like I said, back it up on the field. 10 catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, we'll talk a little more about Jamar Chase here in a little bit. Um, last thing before we get into what is going on next week, let's just do a quick wrap-up recap of what went down in week one. Obviously, it was a it was a ridiculous, ridiculous game. Bengals losing overtime to the hated Pittsburgh Steelers, but there were some good things that I think we need to take away from this. We're going to do a little segment called three up, three down, where we uh, highlight three players that outperformed their expectations and three that sort of did not. Um, The first guy that I think deserves mentioning here is DJ reader. Um, I'll let you go into a little more detail, but he helped hold Najee Harris to 2.3 yards per catch. Uh, He was just dominant in the trenches. There are some great, great video of him, taking on double teams by himself, by himself, still still making tackles, just disrupting the run game in that way. Um, I thought he looked better than expected in the pass rush. You know, everybody knows he's good against the run. I thought he looked uh, – he really held his own against the pass too. What did you see from DJ Reader in this game? Just exactly what you had said. Um, yeah, Najee uh, Harris, 10 carries, 23 yards. 
that 2.3 yards of carry is the exact average that he had last year in the two games. So holding to a trend. I mean, he's, he struggles mm-hmm. against the Bengals. Uh, even the backup, uh, uh, Warren was uh, three carries for seven yards. Again, 2.3 yards of carry. Um, I mean, he clogs the middle. He has incredible strength. He pushes like it, it, it takes the center and the guard to, you know, to try to contain him. And even then he's still pushing the pile back and uh, bouncing the play outside to have Hendrickson, Hubbard, you know, uh, Logan Wilson to, to clean up. Uh, and yeah, he had uh, three pressures. He got, uh, he did get back in the, uh, in the backfield because he, he is so big and strong that he can push the pocket back and uh, again, force quarterbacks to have to bounce it outside. So mm-hmm. he, I, he, he was fantastic even rewatching the game on the replay and even the all 22, they run into an absolute brick wall. So, yeah, he was great. He was impacting plays, whether or not he was anywhere near the tackle or not. Um, I was, I was blown away with how, how athletic he was. Of course, these are professional athletes. They're all going to be athletic, but his ability to just sort of adjust on the fly will often, you know, going up against multiple guys on the other side of the line was just it, it was impressive and i am excited for a big big season from dj reader um the next guy you wanted to highlight was logan wilson what was standing out to you about logan he just as he's uh just just as he's been kind of building up and up year after year uh he was mm-hmm. graded really well against the run actually graded a little higher against the run than against the pass he's an excellent uh, excellent uh, defender against the pass at coming out of the linebacker spot uh, stats were kind of modest, six solo tackles, three unassisted tackles, zero missed tackles at all. So, I mean, he's going to wrap you up. He gets his arms on you. You're going down. Um, didn't, uh, uh, had two or three, I forgot to write that down. I think he had two or three pressures as well. Came in, uh, coming in off the blitz, just solid game all around. So reliable. Yeah. Another guy who wasn't necessarily on my radar, but like you said, has been getting better all the time and, you know, if we can if we can keep making that sort of progress throughout the rest of this season, defense is going to look even scarier than it did in this game. Uh, speaking of the defense, no surprise that our number three um, player up was Trey Hendrickson. Um, man, another guy who's gotten better every single year. Great against the run, solid in coverage. Um, you know, I think he's going to emerge as a true true star this year. He's already been loved in Cincy for a while, but it's about time the rest of the league takes notice. What do you think, or what did you think about his performance against the Bengals? Well, for the Bengals, you mean instead of against the Bengals? For the Bengals. For the Bengals. Um, Burrow pat- played against the Bengals. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly. Um, I didn't seem uh, didn't see a lot of him in pass rush. He only had a couple pressures, but ju- just him. Uh, there's the play when he chased Trubisky, uh, flushed him out of the pocket, chased him all the way down, almost knocked the ball. If it weren't for a split second, Trubisky mm-hmm. tucking it, he would have knocked the ball loose there. Um, he's got a motor that just absolutely doesn't stop. They they call him blackout Trey because he just gets so focused, so in this like almost trance. Like you you don't talk to him. He just he hears the play call, and he you know, th- and then you just let him do his own thing. And he's otherwise there's a good chance he's going to rip your uh, rip your head off. So um, yeah, he absolutely held the edge down during the run. He had three mm-hmm. uh, three defensive stops. Um, so I mean, he again with with them holding the run game to pretty much nothing. Like he was a big part of like keeping the edge down. So, yeah, and it would have been super easy for us to wax poetic about Jamar Chase in this spot. But as awesome as he was, and he was freaking awesome, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Um, we expect him to be awesome. Yeah. You know, he's never he's not going to be as good as he was in week one every game. But this defense was really the story for me. Um, you eliminate points off of turnovers, or at least on drives um, post turnovers. And the Steelers didn't score a point in the first half. Um, it should have been 14-0 going into the third quarter. Um, going to the fourth quarter, it was just a dominant performance. And they did it without any splashy plays. They weren't causing turnovers themselves. They weren't I mean, um, you know, getting tons of sacks. But a lot of that was by design. The Steelers weren't taking many crazy chances. They weren't given a chance for Jesse Bates and Dax Hill to really be involved. Um, I thought that the – I had high expectations for the defense going into this game, but they far exceeded them. I thought the defense was excellent. How about you? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I would have liked to them to have seen them have a splash play, have a turnover. Uh, they had one sack for two yards when it was just BJ Hill chasing Trubisky out of bounds for you know they went down as a sack when he was just trying to mm-hmm. when he was just basically trying to skip the pocket and I don't know why he didn't throw the ball away, took a loss, but there's a reason he's a backup quarterback. 
Um, everything was kept in front of them. But um, they had outside of a couple of big plays, the tight ends, which, you know, Bengals have historically struggled with tight ends. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, the wide receivers didn't get open downfield uh, running backs. Um, Najee Harris got a lot of catches as he does against the Bengals, but again, he wasn't breaking free. He was, they were five yards, six yards, three yards, catch the ball and immediately get, get tackled. So swarming, absolutely swarming. Yeah. There's a lot of talented playmakers on that Steelers offense. Um, Claypool had an impact, but it was on runs. He yeah. didn't do much in the passing game. They held Deontay Johnson in check outside of one free catch. Um, you, you can't ask for a lot more. Um, you, you you feel like you're you're blessed when Mitch Trubisky is on the other side of, of the defense. He's not, you know, striking too much fear in your heart. But fortunately, the defense is going to have another, uh, you know, less than Hall of Fame caliber quarterback next week, and we hope they can repeat that performance. But before we get into the next week, it's not always sunshine and rainbows in football games. We do have to have a three down. Obviously, we have to talk about the man, the myth, Joe Burrow. Um, he just, he had a bad game. It was kind of ugly from the start. He gets all the credit in the world for battling back and really putting himself in the team in a position to win multiple times. I thought he was he was fantastic for stretches. Um, he just started really slow, and there's a lot of things I think that you can chalk that up to, whether it be you know just a lack of reps. Um, he had an appendectomy, which is you know a pretty big deal. It seems like that was about 35 minutes ago when he had that surgery. Um, and then it was almost like he was, uh, he was he was just forcing things early, looking for that big play instead of just taking what the defense was giving him. At least that's what I saw. What is your takeaway after having a few days to sleep on it and watch some tape on Joe Burrow's performance? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with what you said. Um, it's funny because everyone, know, everyone knew going into the season that teams are going to play a lot of cover two against them, keep the uh, mm-hmm. uh, two deep safeties try to keep the explosive plays. And he kind of went into the game saying, hell with it. I'm going to throw the ball wherever I want to, whenever I want to, because that's my game. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. What happened on the very first pass? He threw it into threw it into a spot he shouldn't have thrown it to. And there was T Higgins was wide open running across the middle of the field, about five yards in front of him with nobody around him for five yards. He would have picked up, yeah. easily would have picked up the first down. Um, well, it was second 15. He could have easily, you know, easily would have picked up the first down and who knows how much further he would have gone. He, you know, First half of the game, he was trying to be Joe Burrow hero instead of take the check down to take, you know, you keep checking it down. You mm-hmm. keep checking it down. The safeties are going to start creeping up a little bit to try to make a big play. And then you can beat them over the top. You're not going to be able to beat them over right. the top and then, you know, check down later in the game. You got to work your way up to that right now because the, the teams just aren't going to allow that. I mean, that's what you expect. The Cowboys are going to do. The Jets are going to do the same thing. Nobody's going to, you know, just no one's going to dare you mm-hmm. to throw deep on them with the guys that they have. So it's kind of. He's a yeah. smart enough guy. I, he knows what he did. You know, he he knows where he aired, and 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 it's stay within the game plan. The mm-hmm. game plan is they're still going to run routes deep to see if it's there, but check it down. Like if it's not there, don't force it. Yeah, yeah. I am not worried in the slightest about Joe Burrow. I am <clears throat> annoyed, I guess, that we do this lead up. And a couple of days before week one, he's in an interview saying, you know, he has to be a different Joe Burrow based on the quarter, based on the game situation. And then he comes out and tries to put the entire city of Cincinnati on his back from the first minute. And a lot of that's probably got to go on, uh, you know, that blame has to fall on Zach Taylor's shoulders a little bit. He came out with a really aggressive game script early for a team that's offensive line had never played a single snap together. I would have expected to see a, a much more conservative, at least for the first three or four series. And like you said, they're running that too high. It's going to be tough to get those uh, those big splash plays. So it seems like everything I've been seeing and hearing that they are keenly aware of the mistakes in their game planning and approach in that regard. And I am not concerned we're going to have to deal with that in week no. two. No. So yeah, and, and I don't even put a lot of that on Taylor because – they're going to run somebody like they're going to have, no matter what play they're calling, they're going to have somebody, you know, going, you know, someone running the longer pattern if it's there, but he had guys underneath it. He just wasn't, he, he didn't check down. He forced it in the coverage when he had, he had Hurst. Uh, yeah. Hurst had five catches, three of he, three of them weren't until overtime. I sure. mean, yeah, there, there were plenty of opportunities for him uh, for Boyd. Well, he forced it into Boyd twice, but 
Um, and before Higgins went out and he had plays underneath for, you know, for Higgins to chase, he just, he went for the bigger play. I mean, that, that's his game the intermediate, the 10, 15, 20 yard plays. You, you got to build up to it this year. Unfortunately, they're, they're not going to, they're not just going to give that to you. So. Yeah. And you have to imagine that the emotions had to play a big part in that. I mean, yeah. well, they had to be the biggest crowd in, uh, in Bengals history. The atmosphere was electric from well before opening kickoff. And, you know, he's, he's a young fellow that that's going to play a part. So Hopefully on the road in Dallas, you know, no pressure there. It's a, it's the smallest stage in, uh, in in the NFL, so no big deal. Yeah. Fortunately, he's going up against somebody named Cooper Rush, who I think that they just made up and pulled out of a Texas high school league game. So that sounds like pretty good about that. It's an auto auto generated name in Madden. Yeah, he's the guy on the dynasty mode that you create for yourself. <laughs> um, next up on our on our three down list, I don't want to go too deep into this because I the guy was just put into a tough situation, but. We have to at least touch on it. Cordell Volson, he had a rough game, but he was going against arguably the best in the NFL at his position in Cam Hayward. I don't know what uh, you know what all you want to say about that. I, I, I'm not worried yet. I didn't expect him to have a good game, and he didn't. What do you think? Yeah, especially in the first half. I mean, the very first snap of his NFL career, he gets stuck having to block him for 2.7 seconds uh, because mm-hmm. – Baroque, well, you know, his first read wasn't there, so he tried to bounce it out, you know, and then ended up, you know, it, uh, ended up getting, uh, or ended up getting sacked on the play. I mean, that's yeah. hard way to break into the league, but no one's going to baby you on this level. You know, you're going to get thrown into the, uh, uh, thrown into the defense, sink or swim. And he, you know, he wasn't awful. It, it wasn't like seeing Isaiah Prince, Hakeem Adeniji, or, um, uh, Jackson Carmen out there. And I mean, he was the weakest spot on the line, but, he was expected to be the weakest spot. He was a fourth round pick. He's not a first rounder or a second rounder. He, you know, mid round picks aren't supposed to start week one and he has the ability to, and there's no reason to think that he's not going to be a quality starter, but he struggled in it, but it wasn't unexpected. So. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be quite as bad for him going forward. Now that they have all this tape to work off, work off of. And uh, yeah, you'll get get it right. Young fellow. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it is just again, it's um, Dave Lapham, the uh, Bengals color guy, played played for the Bengals for forever. Um, he offensive line is a fist. I mean, you've got five different players. It's, it's strongest when all five guys are working together, and these guys have just started working together. So I mean, you've got all these different parts that you know are you know thumbs introducing himself to the uh, to the ring finger, middle finger is I'm not flipping the bird here. <laughs> middle you know middle fingers introduce him to the you know to the pinky. So I mean, they're learning to work not together. Not me, Fitzpatrick. So. You can't do that to me. <laughs> I, you know, I have headspace one elsewhere, but yeah, it's, they'll, they'll get there. And it's funny because you actually look at the numbers and, I, and I'll get into this more a little better. The pressure rate really wasn't that high. Um, they didn't give up pressures as high of a rate that you actually, you know, that, that, that you would have expected given seven sacks. So, but we'll, we'll touch on that later. Yeah. Um, last person I think I want to mention here is Lyle Collins. Um, he just didn't, didn't look good at all. Maybe he was shaking off the rust. He did seem to even out a little bit as the game worn on. What did you see from Mr. Collins? Exactly that. I mean, it, it, he looked like somebody who was still not quite in game shape, and he missed a big chunk of, um, of the uh, preseason uh, with the back injury. Uh, yeah, and in the second half and in overtime, he looked a lot better. But for someone who was one of the best run-blocking tackles in the game for the last few years, he he missed you know he he missed some spots and that left a lot of yards on the field. So again, you expect it to get better another week, another you know another week more conditioned, working you know like get five guys working together more. You expect it to get you know it will get better. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that um, you know it was encouraging to see the way they came together in a lot of ways late in that game. There's it's week one. You gotta you gotta shake some things out. They were playing against a really well coached team. If nothing else, the team has spent a lot of time playing together. And they were better. Cincinnati was better just about all day long. So don't get too discouraged. As long as it's, uh, the season doesn't come down to one game in the standings, then you know they'll, they'll look back at this as a great learning experience. Obviously, there's no moral victories in the NFL, but there's a lot of positives to take away. Before we move on to week two, what else do you want to point out about that week one game? 
Um, it, it, just reading all the national uh, writers and a lot of the beat writers, they pretty much just seem to be writing this game off as a fluke. That, that, that just happens. You know, it's you can't really put anything on it. Um, if you look at the power rankings, which are dumb and very subjective, most of them like knock the Bengals down like one spot or two spots. That's mm-hmm. again, uh, Steelers have a great defense and Burrow, you know, handing out, uh, handing out turn, you know, handing out uh, interceptions. So, absolutely, you know, no reason to think that it's anything, any part of a larger trend. A lot of people were talking about the line. You still need to work, you know, they need to fix the line. They did. <laughs> like, it's one game. Let's you know. Let, let's get a you know a few more weeks before we can you know talk about a trend. But there's no reason to think, and no one's jumping off. You know, no one should be jumping off the bandwagon or anything, thinking that you know the uh, ship's going down. So Burrow had five turners. Yeah, Burrow had five turners, and the team was still in a position to win twice. So yeah, maybe maybe more than that if you want to go back to every single play where they had a chance. Yeah. Um, we should touch on it really quickly. I know you and Chad did a little bit, but um, Zach Taylor made some some really uh, there's there's some head scratching decisions late in the game. He seems to have uh, taken accountability for those at least in the way that you expect a coach to in the modern NFL. Um, I didn't dive into his pressers today, but kind of get the feeling that the team's ready to move on from those. I'm hoping that there's something to learn and. You know they they can they can improve on that going forward. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add. Yeah, I mean he he's extremely. If you actually watch his press conferences, he's incredibly candid, and I think almost too much mm-hmm. because he I, you can tell he's fallen on the sword when he's talking about we need to do a better job of communicating. He talks a lot about the communication. We need to do a better job. A lot of that is those guys goofed up. They didn't tell you know, but I'm going to say we. I'm going to fall on the mm-hmm. sword because I'm the head coach. I'm the tip of the spear. Um, the uh, snapping the ball on the punt with like 15 seconds on the play clock. When he was asked on Sunday, you could see the look in his face that he was, yeah, he, that is not what he wanted to have happen. Um, but again, I mean, these, those are things that happen, you know, it's, it's week one. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. This isn't someone who doesn't know what they're doing. He's, I think he's a much better coach Monday through Saturday than he is on Sundays, but, not every coach is Vince Lombardi or, uh, uh, I mean, even Bill Belichick. You see how how great he does without Tom Brady. I mean, so I'm I'm giving him a you know giving him a pass. He just took the team to the Super Bowl. So yeah, we'll we won't be too, a, we won't be too hard on him yet. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, let's wrap up the week one talk. Um, week two coming up. We uh, have a 4:25 p.m. game on Sunday against the. Dallas Cowboys, allegedly America's team, as of recording, are our seven and a half point favorites. Um, of course, Dallas starting quarterback Dak Prescott. Um, yeah, wish him health, but as a Bengals fan, not terribly upset about that. Um, Dak's out for probably four to six weeks. Like we said, Cooper Rush, that made up video game character, will get his second career start. Um, do you know anything about Cooper Rush? Um, he's fifth fifth year pro. Um, had one start fifth last year? year against the Vikings. Yeah, he's been around. He hasn't played much, but um, beat the Vikings on Halloween last year. He was 24-40, two touchdowns a pick. Beat him uh, uh, game winning drive uh, last minute. So he one start he he quoted himself quite well. But he's not Dak Prescott. He's not even Troy Aikman, who's the most overrated or the most <laughs> the, the worst quarterback in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But Troy Aikman catching strays on this podcast. Let's go. I can't let that one go when you have uh, um, Kenny Anderson's about should have been in twenty years ago, and someone Troy Aikman's in just because their team won. But I'll let that one go. Terry Bradshaw is uh, disagreeing with you. Yeah, Joe Namath too. Loudly in the back. Yeah. Um, they have some other injuries. What do you know about their left tackle? Connor McGovern, uh, ankle sprain. Um, from what I've been seeing, this is this is kind of a, a huge win for Cincinnati. What do you know? Yeah, I mean, their entire left side of the uh, offensive line is going to be backups. Uh, Tyron Smith, mm-hmm. who's fantastic, he's he's down there uh, starting the rookie. 
Um, and then, yeah, uh, Conor McGovern's their left, uh, left guard. He's got an ankle sprain. He's questionable. Um, I haven't, I, I didn't see participation if he was a full go, you know, limited or, you know, or what for, uh, for today's practice. But um, if he's down, that's, again, that's a huge boon for the Bengals run, uh, run defense. Someone else, another guy up the middle trying to block uh, DJ reader and BJ Hill. If you're putting a backup in, that's definitely good news for the, uh, for the D line. Yeah, I think that's the big takeaway is that we might get another big day from DJ Reader. Um, the the Bengals offensive line is going to be tested again. They go from Cam Hayward and TJ Watt to Micah Parsons and DeMarc Lawrence. Um, all eyes have been on this offensive line since the end of the Super Bowl. Um, what do you expect about the guys this week compared to last? Um, I mean, Parsons is, he's someone who's going to line up everywhere. He lined up outside as cornerback for a couple snaps last, uh, um, last week. He, he'll, he'll drop back into the, um, he'll drop back and place it, you know, and then play some snaps back by safety. He lines up on the line as a, as a rush and, um, or he plays linebacker. I mean, you don't know where he's going to be coming from, but he's going to be coming, uh, probably the best rookie season from a defender last year. So definitely someone you got to make sure your tackles are on point. Uh, Jonah Williams, Lyle Collins need to be alert and aware of where he is. So definitely someone yeah. not, not to sleep on big lately. Yeah, you said it. he is a beast. He's a monster. They're going to have their hands full. You, um, you mentioned it earlier. Zach Taylor alluded to it in one of his interviews. Typically with a uh, with, with these pass rushers, you, you kind of have an idea where they're going to be coming from. You don't with Michael Parsons. He could be anywhere. Um, you know, that's what – that's what the game plan's for. That's what the coach is for. So we'll see how they handle that. Um, the last thing I want to talk about as far as this matchup goes and what they're going to be seeing from Dallas is who's going to be catching passes for the Cowboys? I mean – Michael Irvin, um, Alvin Harper. They might, they might want to bring Michael Irvin out of retirement, see if yeah, Des Jane Bryant can come back and get a snap or two in. Um, CeeDee Lamb, obviously, is going to be there. But yeah. he was bad last week, and he had a really lackluster ending to last season. Um, you know, Michael Gallup still recovering from his injury. I think that uh, who's their backup running back that can catch some passes? Pollard. Yeah, Tony Pollard. Yeah. I think that the Bengals, Bengals, sorry, pronunciation, we'll be doing this all season, guys. They, uh, they are primed for a big day. Yeah, they're uh, right now. They're outside receivers. Or Noah Brown, who has 44 catches, and this is his sixth season in the league. 2022 is his sixth season. Um, and Dennis Houston, who was an undrafted rookie this season. So, I Cooper Rush and Noah Brown powerhouse. People are going to remember that day when those, <laughs> you know, being in the stands of that day when those two connected for three catches for 15 yards. That's right. Well, let's talk about some keys to the game. What do you think is your number one key to a Cincinnati victory over Dallas? Uh, keep Joe Burrow upright. That's on the offensive line, and that's on Joe Burrow. Um, again, I, I uh, alluded to it earlier. Bengals were 10th in pressure rate, meaning that only nine teams faced pressure less frequent than the Bengals did last week. Uh, Sacre was 27th, which means that when they were pressured, those a lot more frequently turned into sex. Uh, that's again, part of that's on, you know, part of that is on the line giving up, you know, they, they had, they had a hundred, about a hundred snaps, which is a lot more. So, you know, even 10th, you know, even Sacre being 10th, that's still a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, Burrow needs to get rid of the ball. He needs to quit. Uh, he, need, he needs to uh, take the check downs. Like, like I said, look short, you know, if you, you know, if, if the first one is in there immediately moved to, you know, to the undercover, you've got great receivers that are going to find a way to get open. You've got three fantastic wide receivers and a tight end who's athletic, more athletic than, you know, than twenty-five other tight ends in the league. Use them. So, um, yeah, because I mean, their teams aren't going to stop playing cover two to keep uh, keep Chase and Higgins from uh, taking the top off. So, that definitely is uh, key key number one. Yeah, I could not agree more, and it sort of ties into my next key to the game, which is the offense needs to be patient. Um, you touched on it a little bit right there. There are openings 
there are plays to be made. There's positive yards to be gained. You don't need to, you know, try to go 80 yards in one play on your first, you know, first set of downs for every possession. Take your time. Um, let the passing game open up the run game. There's been a lot of people talking about how Joe Mixon didn't, uh, you know, didn't have a very flashy game. But if you watched it, I don't think any of that was his fault. He, he didn't have a lot of room to work with. When he got room, he did something with it. So they need to uh, – you know, I know Joe Burrow is not a huge play-action guy, but just something to open up those, those lanes, get mixing out into a little bit of space, I think, and let the game come to them. That's my number two key to the game. Just be patient. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Yeah, and, and uh, these two kind of go hand-in-hand hand with the uh, run game and off- offensive creativity. Um, Burrow lined up under center 18 times last week. 16 of those times was a handoff. Mm-hmm. That's telegraphing things right there. If they're under center and you see um, uh, Drew Sample in the game, they're going to be running the ball. You can bring your corner – you can bring your safeties up, you know. Pittsburgh so, was doing that too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's – again, it's – we all know Burrow likes uh, likes playing out of the um, – playing out of the gun and he's a lot more efficient that gives him an extra beat you know it gives him more time to uh give him a wider view of the uh defensive scan but it would behoove them to pass more mm-hmm. when they are under center just so it doesn't become absolutely you know you're, you're, you're telegraphing what you're going to do um yeah I mean, the game plan was very vanilla versus pittsburgh they, they didn't it, it they didn't try to run outside often they didn't try any jet sweeps i mean there was a lot of motion um uh a lot of times you see uh, Chase going in jet motion, but that was just a little bit of misdirection. And then, you know, but they need to be more um, and, 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 and just more efficient. But again, that goes off of creativity because especially in the running game, if, if you telegraph, you're going to run the ball, it's going to be hard to be efficient unless everything is blocked up perfectly. And, you know, you're running back and find a cutback lane. Do think, you know, cause misdirection. Do you know that uh, how many jet sweeps did uh, the Pittsburgh try that uh, did a double reverse, uh, um, the reverse uh, toss back to um, Trubisky for a uh, long pass down the yeah. sideline. So, yeah, and they have a terrible quarterback. Imagine yeah. how much more effective this would be with, with an elite quarterback. They, the Bengals have weapons all over the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Use them, have them work in tandem to uh, to open each other up. And I think that it, uh, we have a chance to have a really really nice day on Sunday. So, speaking of which, let's make. A prediction or two. How do you see this game going? It's hard to see Dallas put points on the board. Um, I think the Bengals have a better defense than than, um, than they faced last week, and they put up a whole three spot. Um, I'm saying Bengals twenty four seven. The offense is going to have a lot more efficient game. I don't think Burrow's going to go off for three, you know, for three fifty and uh, three touchdowns. But they're going to be a lot more efficient, a lot less careless with the football and the defense. Again, that they're just there's going to be nowhere for them to run the ball and nowhere to throw the ball because there's nobody to throw the ball to. Um, I see Logan Wilson having a big game, uh, nine tackles, interception. We'll throw a sack in there too. Cause I'm feeling generous. What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm aligned with you pretty similarly here. I think I've got the Bengals winning a 28 to 13. I think that the offense is going to bust out in a real way. I think it's going to be a pretty balanced attack. Um, I see. I see Dallas getting a few points. I think they're going to lean heavy on Zeke Elliott, and that'll lead to a little bit of success in spurts, not during the, uh, not for the entire game though, because the Bengals are going to be keen on it. Um, but I just see, you know, last week I predicted a slow start and a strong finish. I think it's just going to be steady. I think they're going to play a much more uh, just balanced, all-around solid game, and the fourth quarter is going to be far less entertaining, but far more satisfying than last week. Yeah. I'm happy to see him just sit on the football and let, uh, let uh, Mixon just run the clock down in the fourth quarter. So, yeah. So that pretty much does our coverage for week two. Is there anything else you want to add about this game before we get on to our weekly pick them? I think we've got pretty much everything covered. So that's about it. The only thing I kind of wanted to throw in there was I had a note just saying sometimes the best offense is a good defense. You know, we talked about how Pittsburgh might not have scored the entire game if it wasn't for those turnovers. Um, let the defense get the offense in good field position and good things will happen. So moving on, we are uh, – Joe and I are doing, along with 
um, you know, some other people in our Patreon. And that is patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. We get on there and we just we hang out. We talk shop to each other. We talk football. We talk baseball. We all just have a generally good time. You know, that's how, that's how Joe and I met. And he's never forgiven me. He actually deleted his Patreon subscription after he found out that I was going to be on this podcast with him. But we'll try to convince him to come back. Right. Um, highly encourage you guys to come and join the community. We not we, we seriously turned into a family. We you know, try to get together once a month and Zoom and watch a game and you know, just get to know each other and, and have a good time. So patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. We appreciate you and all that good stuff. Um, last week, Joe beat me in our weekly pick finishing eight, six, and one. We are giving ourselves ties when there are ties. Because who's going to pick a tie? That's the most boring thing you can do. We're not going to do that. I finished 7-7-1. Seven, seven, so we're going to run through the slate real quick. Um, just throw out your pick, Joe. And if you have anything you want to add about the game, throw it out there. Ready to rock? Makes sense. Let's roll. All right. So we two, game one, I've got Chargers at Chiefs. Who you, Who you got? feeling? Who are you feeling first? Oh, I'm going Kansas City in a big way on this one. I got to go with uh, uh, with the Chargers on that. Number one, I hate Patrick Mahomes. Great quarterback. Ooh. He, he might be a dis- decent guy, but again, his brother and his now wife, they're just <laughs> two of the most obnoxious people on the face of planet Earth. Um, no, it's, it, this actually should be a fantastic game Thursday nighter on Amazon. Uh, I'm going to try my best to, to watch most all of it. Um, there's going to be a I, there's going to be a lot of points a lot of passing going on i say that and it'll be a seven to three game but yeah i, I i've got the chargers i got herbert coming up on top i mean it wouldn't blow my mind i think herbert is a great quarterback but i am i'm really high on the chiefs this year so uh that's that's about as fun of a thursday night game as you can get next game up carolina panthers at new york giants i hate both of these teams but i picked the giants to win this one I got Carolina, and there's literally no reason for us to uh, to say anything else about this game. Besides no. that. Gross. I don't recommend watching it unless you are from Charlotte or New York. Um, next game, the Colts versus the Jaguars. The Jaguars who ended my survivor pool in week one, which you and Chad felt the need to remind the world last or on Monday or Sunday night. Thanks a lot, guys. Who you got, Colts or Jags? Uh, I got the Colts. They screwed me last week because they were my survivor pick last year, last week, and they tied. Thank you very much. Ooh. Ties count as losses. However, they're the better team. You know what? We learned nothing. I picked the Jaguars. <laughs> you were the one person in the world doubling down on the Jaguars, and that inca- that counts everybody from Duval County. How do you not get a boost <laughs> from firing Urban Meyer? I just don't understand. You're in Jacksonville. You're in a swamp. It's sweltering. It's gross. The people are gross. No offense to our zero people from Jacksonville, Florida. If you are listening, you're gross. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, (laughs) the Miami Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens, the stupid Ravens. I think we picked the same team here. I've got the Ravens. How about you? Uh, same, I think it's going to be actually a pretty good game. The, the um, Dolphins are improved on paper on the uh, on offense, but I still think uh, Ravens are Ravens are a good team. So no reason to think they're going to lose at home. Yeah, the Ravens Ravens are going to be decent. I think that um, Rashad Bateman might be a legit receiver, and they're saying J.K. Dobbins has a chance to play this week. So the jury's still out on Tua. I will, I will start picking the Dolphins after I see a little more out of Young Tua. Next up, another stupid game that nobody should watch. New England Patriots at Pittsburgh Steelers. Gross. Who do you got? Uh, this is a pillow fight of two teams with awful, awful, awful offenses. <laughs> um, this is kind of the reverse of last week's game to where the Steelers should win this one, but I have them losing. I'm going with, uh, with the fighting Bill Belichick's. Yeah, this is a high-profile matchup of two teams that are probably going to be really, really bad this season. Um, I went with the Steelers just because it seems like the Steelers do have at least a handful of blue chippers on their roster. Um, one less, T.J. Watt likely being out. But 
that Patriots roster is just bad. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I can't pick them until they do at least something positive. They look this, pretty gross. This year, I think, is very telling for Belichick's um, legacy. I mean, it's Everyone has him as the greatest head coach since Lombardi, yeah. Paul Brown. But he didn't do anything in, in Cleveland when he was the head coach. He, you know, he's uh, hasn't done a whole lot uh, since Brady's been out, or since Brady's uh, been in Tampa Bay. So prove that, you know, prove that you're this guy. I mean, this is, you have complete control. This is your roster. So I don't think they're going to be very good this year all in all, but I'm still picking them. Yeah. I'm, I think it's going to take more than another lackluster year before I sour too much on him overall, but I think it could, you know, there's a real argument that uh, the game might've sort of passed, passed Bel- Belichick by. It might have outgrown him a little bit, but time will tell. He could they could go on a run and you know, make oh. the AFC championship. It wouldn't blow anybody's mind. When you don't have the greatest quarterback in NFL history, and I hate saying that because I cannot stand the, the man. Like it's having that guy on your team clean, you know, makes up for you know, cleans up a lot of mistakes. So this is true. Watch over a lot. So well, I am glad that Thursday night game is so good because the next matchup also stinks. New York <laughs> Jets at Cleveland Doo Doo Butter Browns. There's a lot of crap this week. I mean, just looking at the entire slate, there's four or five games that are just awful. Uh, this one definitely ranks up with them. Um, I've got Cleveland just because they've got a fantastic running game. Um, Brissett didn't screw up last week, so and the Jets are still the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Although, yeah. I got to give love to my boy Sauce Gardner from the – God, I hate when people say the – University of Cincinnati. Again, he has yet to give up a touchdown college in that one game in his pros. He has never given up a touchdown reception on a guy that he's covering. That's, that will end. Is that real? He, oh, that's real. Three years as a starter, started as a, a true freshman, did not give up one touchdown reception ever at the University of Cincinnati. New weekly segment on this show is the, the sauce watch. He had uh, one reception for eight. The sauce. One reception for eight yards against him last week. I've, I've, I got to keep an eye on my on my uh, Bearcats. So, well, as the kids say, that's groovy. <laughs> kids. Um, I also I also pick Cleveland just because uh, Joe Flacco is the other team's quarterback. Fair enough. Moving on to, um, my, you know, we'll see. This actually isn't too bad. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Um, I went New Orleans because I still don't think Tom Brady has a win in New Orleans with the Bucks, and that's literally the only reason. Um, I mean, I went with Tampa Bay just because Jameis Winston is good for a four turnover, four, four or five turnover game himself. So I think the uh, Buccaneers still have one of the best offensive lines. They've got a good defense. That's true. And I think they're the more well-rounded team. I think that's entirely accurate, but I'm throwing Jameis some love. He did not steal those crab legs. He was given those crab legs. Well, confidence in that. Next up, up um, the Commanders at the uh, Detroit Lions. I would have this on Poo Poo Platter slate, but Detroit might actually be fun to watch. That's who I picked. Did you not? Pick I, I did not. I went commando. I mean, I mean, I went. Commanders. Oh man! Listen, you heard it here first. Um, no reason outside of Detroit is Detroit, and yeah, I think Detroit's going to be very entertaining this year. Uh, I think they're still a year away from being able to uh, to push, you know, uh, to push for anything in the um, NFC North. But um, I, I think Washington's going to win that. I think they've got just a little, a little more talented on both sides of the ball. Yeah, if this game was in in Washington, I might feel a little differently. But uh, you know, maybe it'll inspire the Commanders to not have to play near Dan Snyder. I know it would me. Next up, the Atlanta Falcons at Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think it's pretty clearly the Rams, even if they are having a little Super Bowl hangover. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. No reason to overthink this one. Yeah, um, I kind of feel some more about the next one, though it might deserve a little more conversation. The Seattle Seahawks at San Francisco 49ers. I went with San Francisco just kind of based on how I feel about them going into this season. They looked bad last week. Granted, they were playing in a literal swamp. So I don't know, you know, 
I thought the Seahawks looked better than I expected. The 49ers looked worse. I think the 49ers get back on track this week. What do you think? Uh, definite course correction, yeah. Um, that, that game was actually fun to watch. I only saw some of the highlights, but uh, all of the rain, the water pouring everywhere in Chicago, you, you can't take anything. There's nothing you can take away from that. I mean, it, it was just right. an absolute slop fest. Um, Seattle won because Denver wants to pay a quarterback $250 million and then take the ball out of his hands to try to kick a 64-yard field goal. Um, but, yeah, San Francisco, they're at home. Levi Strauss, Gene Stadium. Go Niners. Go Niners. Uh, next up, we had the Arizona Kyler Murrays versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I, I think Las Vegas is just simply a better team. And I don't think we need to spend too much time. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I definitely agree. I've got the Raiders. One note, though. Um, um, why am I spacing on his name? Uh, uh, David Carr. Uh, Derek Carr's older brother. He was the first over a draft pick once upon a time. Mm-hmm. He is an, an, uh, uh, an analyst for NFL.com. He had Derek Carr listed as the most – was like the third most talented quarterback, like the seventh most important player in, in, in NFL going into the season. And it's hard to read that without laughing, thinking that, that the only reason is that he wants his brother to pass some mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving dinner because Derek Carr is the third best quarterback in his division, not in the entire NFL. So, Hey, I think you just hit the nail on the head. He got laughs out of us, and he did not get an angry phone call from their mom. So yeah. good job, David. Smart play. Yeah. Um, we are already covered the next one. We both have the Bengals over the Cowboys. Um, Texans, who day? Texans at Broncos. I think this one could be more fun than I would have guessed going into week two. But I went Broncos, more blue chippers. What do you think? Broncos, let's ride. Um, you watch that cringy thing of, uh, of Russell Wilson doing Bronco Country, let's ride. Oh if you God. haven't, you need to check it out. It, it's cringy. It, it's, he's doing these takes for promos. He, he might be the most phony person I think that's ever put on an NFL uniform. However, I think Denver's going to roll him by four touchdowns. Uh, Houston's terrible. Yeah, I mean, they, they eked out a tie last week because they're playing a team that has lost nine or haven't won an opener in 10 years in the Colts. Uh, Denver's going to steamroll him. Yeah, I, I can't think of a player whose Q rating started so high and has dropped so low. More, more so than, than Russell Wilson. He's very good. But... He's, good He's just a dork. He, he's yeah. just annoying and, and, and just comes across so phony and disingenuous. Listening to all of his teammates kind of come out, the former Seahawks teammates have not been acting, uh, reacting too kindly to his, his shtick. Um, yeah, did you I'm see him funny. wearing uh, headphones, his eyes closed, just like spinning circles in the middle of the field before the game? That's oh, yeah. It's, it's like, like I said, it's, I mean, he was the D bag for the C bags. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, he, he's, they they weren't going anywhere this year with him, so I think they're a heck of a lot better. Go, you know, flailing this year, getting a high draft pick, and just not having to deal with the headache. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um, next up, we have the Chicago Bears at Green Bay Packers. I think, uh, yeah, I got the Packers winning. I know that they have almost no one. Aaron Rodgers has almost no one to throw the ball to. I think he'll figure that out because he's Aaron Rodgers, and the Bengals will win running away. Packers. Packers, you said, you said also Bengals. I think the Bengals uh, are going to win running away, too. Like, that's cool. Um, yeah, P- Packers own Chicago more than the uh, Steelers own the Bengals. So, yeah, there's he, he could throw the ball to himself. He could, you know, they, they could put Sterling Sharp and uh, uh, Robert Brooks out there from the 90s, and they'd still be able to – Rodgers would still throw for 325 and four touchdowns against the, uh, uh, against the Bears. So, I mean, Rodgers might – Take some ayahuasca before the game, and who knows who he's seeing out there. Greg talk Jennings, about yeah, talk about flakes. He, he's <laughs> he, he's in his own he's in his own category, but he is. Continue. Next up, Tennessee Titans at Buffalo Bills. Oh man, I think this is going to be a, a disaster for Tennessee, and Buffalo beats the tar out of them. I think Buffalo's going to win. I, I I think it's going to be one that's closer in on the scoreboard. That then it should be. Um, I think Tennessee they they overachieve. I'm gonna say they overachieve, but last year was their last stand. They still have Ryan Tannehill, who's Andy Dalton on a good day. Um, 
I really think that, that, that they're going to be kind of fading as the season goes on and then, and then they might finish third place in, uh, in that division. So definitely a Buffalo winning, but it, I, I say they'll win 24 to 10. So they'll take it easy. Sure. I can see it. Uh, last up. I think this is a, uh, this, this could be a really fun one. Uh, Tom will tell, obviously, but the Minnesota Vikings at Philadelphia Eagles, I have the Eagles pulling it out. It would not surprise me if either team won by a blowout. If it's a barn burner, I can see an entire gamut of outcomes here, but I think the home team is going to take it. What about you? What says you? Yeah, this could be a heck of a game. It's uh, the late, I'm saying late, it's uh, um, last game on Monday night, and it, it's kind of not necessarily a pick em, but um, definitely could be a fun game. The only reason I'm picking the Eagles is because they're at home. But yeah, same. It'll be entertaining. So, yeah. So there are a few watchable games. There's a lot of a lot of crap, but Mixed so back. it goes week to yeah, week. We are going to be tracking our picks every week. If you guys want to play along, you can email your picks to team at riverfrontcincy.com. I'll forward those over to Joe. Joe will be taking that, keeping track of those. Um, we will have some graphics ready later on next week hopefully to keep track of this play against us you know for uh we're talking about trying to come up with a prize for the winner just ways to get you listeners more involved so um joe before we wrap this up is there anything you want to part with any any words of wisdom for the community one last thing i've got a new segment that i am debuting today Ooh, let's go world debut random facts about a random player Gonna pick a random player off the Bengals roster, not someone that everyone knows about. I'm gonna okay. get three facts. Two are true, one is not. Uh do, I, do I need to do I need to pick the one that's not? You can, but I'm not you know, I'm not gonna say anything. I mean, people can submit, you know, it's you know, we we, we can be all kind of quiet and you know, sneaking subterfuge about it, but um first person but, to tweet at Riverfront Cincy, the correct answer gets a prize that I have yet to determine. You can comment on YouTube too if you want to, you know, and, and you got timestamps. So, first one, first reaction. Love it. So, uh, Trey Flowers, cornerback. He is six foot three inch. They Bengals use him as the uh, tight end kind of specialist because of his size. He's kind of built kind of like a safety. Uh, he actually was, came up really big down the stretch. Um, his hometown is Converse, Texas. I'm not sure if that's where they manufacture the shoes or not, but. He's born and raised. Uh, his brother is a concert flautist in the San Antonio Philharmonic. Uh, and the third is his uncle is Eric Flowers. He played seven years in the NFL. So three random facts right. about a random angle player. I'm getting my, my Twitter fingers ready. <laughs> you don't count. You, get, you, you, you got all the swag already. I got the inside info. Awesome. Well, that's fun. I love it, guys. Yeah, please uh, tweet at us. Comment on YouTube. Do interact the way people interact joe is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here just expecting a little bit better results on the field and cowboys still suck boom cowboys still suck guys thank you so much for tuning in um please go like us on subscribe on youtube subscribe on apple Podcasts. we will be available where all spotify apple itunes i guess i don't even know where else they are but we're available there and we will be branching off you're getting this right now on uh, the audio audio version at least on the riverfront red show feed we will be branching off soon onto our own and we will put out all the details on how to subscribe to that and subscribing rating and reviewing that is how we grow this thing so we really appreciate it and other than that go Bengals who day one Joe. quick question do you have to smash the like button can you lightly tap it do you have like you always hear smash like i think for the red no, no show one says be gentle i mean caress just just a nice gentle you know yeah i think for, i think for the red show you have to smash it because you're angry that rage you yeah, listen to a red show but yeah. for the bangle show you can just get a little love tap okay. get a little little tap 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 a root no doubt to all the right fans out there joe this is super fun um for joe farsing i am nate dodson and a little love to the man, Sauce Gardner. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Peace.
Ladies, at Essentia Health, you're not just a patient. You're a partner in your healthcare journey. We'll get to the heart of your health questions, even the ones you're embarrassed to ask. We'll find solutions to fit your unique needs and lifestyle, because here, we're in it together. Feel confident in your care and in yourself. Schedule a women's health appointment with an Essentia Health provider today. Click the banner to learn more.